1: daily face podcast comes courtesy of the nation network here's your host brock segan with dylan d berthium and michael Beebs Bondi. welcome ladies and gentlemen to season six episode 11 of the daily face-off podcast i'm your host brock segan with me as always we got michael Beeps Bondi. we got dylan d berthium
0: how's it going Beeps? doing great um you know we are uh, the gyms are open up next week so i get my sanity back so um so i'll be regular beebs by next week's podcast so so very, very over here um no complaints on my end d how you doing bud doing a lot better
2: now that i know regular beebs
0: is going to be making a return yeah exactly <laughs> we've been we've been worried about where he's been at for a little bit getting chonky over here yeah,
2: yeah it just made my day so <laughs>
1: much improved much happier than you were about seven seconds ago so that's good yeah. glad to hear everyone's doing well we have, design, uh, yeah, right. the local restrictions are being eased so everyone's hopefully going to be able to see each other maybe we'll be actually able to uh record a podcast in person here in the near future which would be nice to yeah, see you boys uh, yeah it's nice to see you poison the flesh for the first time in months but uh Still, uh, at least we're getting it done here on Zoom. Minor um, internet mm-hmm. obstruction, since none of our internets are all that good. Zoom has really yeah. been kind of a challenge, but uh, we've
0: made it work. I hope the and, you guys at home, uh, you know, bear every with us week, here. But uh, every week we're back is kind of a blessing because we don't know with all these uh, all these postponements, you know, what what's going to happen here. So uh, so each week we're back, we're like, woo, we made it, you know one more week. So uh, when there was that big when there was that big break for like
1: the devils and stuff and then Ooh. you know three three or four teams got just postponed i was like oh boy i think my paychecks are going to be coming to an end here in the near future yeah. but we're yeah. still and Every- it's everybody seems to be doing pretty well here um i know the wild were back on the ice today um speaking of being back on the ice obviously not somebody that's going to uh return too too soon i don't think but somebody that you might want to consider picking up and stashing right now uh is vladimir tarasenko he was back on the ice the blues today um so that's a big development for him um i think he is around like 35 40 percent owned already uh but if he is available it's definitely worth a stash because it doesn't look like he uh it looks like his return is is on the horizon here so um but anyways we're not going to talk too much about what they were
2: saying all along too right
1: yeah yeah i was looking like a an end of february return for him which is good so um, it looks like he's on track
0: for that, which is nice to see. Um, another super uh, random return that doesn't really affect fantasy. See out in the W um, with the WHL and junior hockey coming back. That off team that's staying in their arena,
1: yeah, it's hilarious. Um, for the whole
0: 24 game season. What? An, that's awesome. That would be so much fun. I just I had to bring yeah. that up because I am so excited about junior hockey potential back. So another yeah, thing no, that's, it's uh, good for us hockey it, people. That, that would be
1: hilarious uh, just to have all the boys staying yeah. in the luxury suites. So fun. Um, all right. So obviously, uh, you know, Vladimir Tereschenko is somebody worth stashing. Um, and we're going to go through a big list of players on today's show, guys that are kind of trending um, one way or the other, whether it's in a positive direction or negative direction. Um, and just kind of compare players that are ownership levels are pretty much the same. Uh, I was with one of my buddies last night and he's like, hey, can you fix my fantasy team? And I was going through the... The waiver wire form and and he had guys that were like 80 percent 86% owned on his, his waiver wireless. And it made me realize okay, some people's leagues aren't quite as deep as the leagues that we play in, and you know, Martin Etchass might not be the guy for them. So yeah. I wanted to kind of just we touch can't on playing whole. four team leagues. It's actually 12 teams his league, but it's like their their roster's only like 16 players deep or whatever. So when it's you said Tara um, Bynum was out there. Yeah, it was crazy. I was yeah. like, uh Terra 86% owned. <laughs> but right. anyways i just wanted to be able to touch on a wide variety of leagues a wide variety of ownership so we've got kind of uh about eight different ownership levels from 60 to 70 percent 50 to 60 percent and so on uh and guys that are kind of in that range so we're going to play a little game called would you rather um and we're going to just discuss the three players in each category and let you guys know which uh which players we prefer uh so whether or not it, it, it's something that maybe. Uh, helps you make a trade whether it's a a, a drop off, uh a drop and pickup or, or whatever the case may be um, at these different ownership levels we're, we're hoping we're going to be able to touch on a wide variety of, of listeners and a wide variety of leagues so uh, d d we're going to start with you on the first one we've got the 60 to 70 percent owned range um, and keep in mind all, all these guys are going to be playing uh, the same positions or similar positions just to uh, so the comparison is, is even but uh, 60 to 70 percent owned range dylan Kirill Kaprizov from Minnesota, Timo Meyer from San Jose, or Jaden Schwartz from St. Louis.
2: Yeah, I just I, I think it just depends what you're looking for here. Uh, Schwartz and uh, Kiprisov seem to kind of be made of the same ilk, at least from a, a fantasy hockey perspective. They're both um, should be pretty consistent uh, and productive in terms of assists, but they don't shoot the puck a lot, and they're not going to they're not going to score a lot of goals for you. Um, if you're in a points league or any sort of league that uh, where the scoring format caters heavily or a little bit more towards goals. Uh, You might want to consider Timo Meyer. I I think he's going to score the most uh, goals out of the three moving forward. Um, You know, obviously we've talked about him a lot Uh, in the past. uh, We we all had him pegged for a big breakout season last year, and it didn't quite come together, obviously. um, His surroundings kind of fell apart as well in San Jose. But um, the underlying numbers look really promising this year. Uh, He's got 39 shots in just 12 games, despite playing only 15 minutes a night. Um, shooting percentage, of course, keeping him down at just 5% is half his career average. So uh, he should bounce back soon. Even last year, you know, w- with that down year for him, uh, he still managed 22 goals in 70 games. So I just think he's going to be, like I said, uh, the more reliable goal scoring threat out of the three of them. But um, I-, I would bet uh Kaprizov to go or to finish, um, like I said, uh, on top in terms of points and assists. So it really just uh, depends on the league and and your own scoring format and scoring format. In general standard leagues where um, they don't cater, you know, too heavily one way or another, I think I'd probably uh, go with uh, Kaprizov. Uh, We talked about him a lot Um, in the last few weeks. I I just love how the chance that he creates um, both on the power play as well at 5v5. I wish he shot the puck a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I like him to finish on top of points out of these three. team uh, Meyer be the, the leading goal scorer for me, so uh, it just depends on the on the league and the scoring format.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with a very similar approach. Although I must admit, I did drop Timo Meyer in a pretty deep keeper league um, a couple weeks ago, and D had grabbed him. Uh, so we have a little bit different um, opinions on Timo Meyer. I'm <laughs> clearly not too huge on him, but D, I hope uh, hope you enjoy him on your squad there. Um, I do agree. I think Kriel is the one is the one guy to have out of these three as far as points go the 17 shots a little alarming throughout the first 11 games um but at the same time there's only room for improvement um the guy the guy the guy uh is clearly gonna go down a little bit but with that i also think i think meyer and schwartz are also in for a little bit more of uh of of play here um so for me it's up there just playing pp1 um that's where he goes ahead of meyer and schwartz in both my books um I don't want, to, don't, don't want to focus on Meyer too much, and since we haven't touched upon Schwartz as much, um, just, again, I don't love Schwartz. I think both these guys are way too high up in this percentage. There's a couple of guys in the lower percentages that I'd actually rather have than Meyer or Schwartz. Um, but as far as Schwartz goes, um, you know, only 23 shots this year. Two goal and assists. His stat line looking more like a defenseman that you could get off the waiver wire. Um, I'm just, I'm not loving that. Maybe Tarasenko coming back could help him a little bit, or might take more time uh, a little bit scary there um guy coming off not a great season so yeah Kaprizov, i love the ceiling for him i love uh what he's done so far a couple more shots and uh really become a you know the, the master class leading here but i do think meyer is the guy if you want goals you go to those those shots are uh as d mentioned pretty nice look at 30 so if you want if you want shots and goals meyer but as far as anything else goes i'm going Kaprizov all the way across yeah um, I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys in terms of Kaprizov
1: is probably my favorite of the three. Uh, I just think that the the point totals are a little bit more reliable with Kaprizov. I think that, um, the, you know, the usage is just a lot more reliable as well. Uh, yeah. Meyer is back in the top six, which is great. Uh, but they have always kind of been hesitant to really give him a full run. He's never really seen a lot of run on the top power play unit as well either. So he looks uh, like so Kaprizov, bad. Kaprizov is definitely a, um, a little bit more of a reliable source. I would, l- I, you know, you guys know that I've been a big fan of Jaden Schwartz for a long time, and um, it is a little disappointing to see what he's been able to do so far. I mean, he, he does have nine points in 13 games, but seven of those are assists. And that line um, has been just absolutely outstanding, Shen and Kairou. But Shen and Kairou have really been the the big benefactors and seem to be finishing off a lot more chances. And uh, Schwartz's shot, shot volume is just down so much this year compared to even last year where it was down from years previous. So uh, it, it just doesn't look not like a lot really right, going. Right no, yeah, it's not trending in the right direction at all. Um, although I do love that line. I just don't think that he's um as you know he's the third wheel on that line it appears at this point so uh for me i'm going to agree with you guys and go with caprice off uh as the favorite coming out of this but uh you guys know our affinity with with timo meyer as well so uh it's hard to bet against him i do love when he's playing on a line
0: with hurdle they've got really good numbers together as well but
1: um i, I wanted think just have... a little bit more reliable
0: yeah i wanted meyer to have a huge bounce, bounce back here and that's on reach breach form pretty high in a keeper league expecting just that so um so it hurts me more than most just to see what's been happening and and when he was on the third line last week and only second in power just like can't have that on my roster but like you said great to see him back in the top six i hope he brings it back because you know he is a good player who can go 30 for 30 as we've seen in the past
1: yeah. Uh, all right, let's move to the 50 to 60% ownership range. Beebs we'll go start with you on this one. Uh, Chris Kreider from the New York Rangers, Brian Rust from the Pittsburgh Penguins, or Andre Palat from the Lightning. Uh, all three players playing on the respective top lines for their team uh, as kind of complementary pieces to their superstars. Uh, which of these three pieces do you prefer?
0: Um, I think the one guy who really stands out across the board is Brian Rust for me. Um, three goals, seven assists for 10 points across 12 games. Um, and a roll of 45 shots. Uh, that's 20 more shots than any of the other two guys on this list. Um, he's playing line one with Sidney Cross, Jake Gensel. This reminds, this reminds me a lot of Chris Kunitz and Pascal Dupuis, um, which some of those guys put up some dirty numbers, except for I think Brian Ross is a little bit better than um, either. Uh, well, we'll, we'll call him the Pascal Dupuis of this line. I think he's a lot better than that. Um, he's currently playing t- around 21 minutes a night. He has, in, uh, he has at least... In- last night's while playing on that top line and the top power play. Um, This is a guy where I really expect his numbers to only get better. Um, He's near a point per game right now. We saw what he could do last. And again, 45 shots across 12 games. That's almost um, three and a half per by the math off my head right there, maybe a little bit less. Um, And we love that um, as big shot guys. And just uh, my, my number two is uh, Andres Palat just playing in Tampa on that top line and just what he's doing as a whole, but only eight, The teams are going to be talking about shots. And then uh, Kreider, my slow third, who's on pace for a 16-goal, zero-assist season if this year goes on this pace. Rust, Palat, Kreider for me. D, do you agree there?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think Rust is obviously, you know, head and shoulders uh, above the other two here. Um, Everything I see um, indicates to me that if he can hold down a spot on that top power play on, on the Crosby line with Gensel, um, that he can certainly be a point-per-game player. There there was nothing in his numbers last year that, um, you know, screamed a fluke or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, not surprising at all to see him hovering right around that mark again this year. If anything, he's been a little bit unfortunate, right? Uh, he's talked about a 45 shots in 12 games, shooting just 6.7%. So um yeah i i think he's a stud i i think he's a terrific uh player at 5v5 and he's shown to add some end product to his game in the last couple of years as well um and now finally getting a chance uh to run and, and play alongside uh crosby i like i said i i think he's uh he's a real top uh tier fantasy asset
1: yep i agree 100 percent with with both of you guys i think russ is is probably the best of this group uh i, I was actually the best of the first six yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think I'd prefer him over at Kaprizov as well. Um, the thing is, I was I was just really stunned just seeing his ownership where it was. Uh, you know, granted it wasn't you know maybe the hottest start to the season for him, uh, but he's really picked things up recently. Uh, you know, a point in, in four of his last five games at, at minimum here. Um, so yeah, four of his last five, he's got a goal and four assists in his last five games. So really starting to pick things up. Uh, the underlying numbers for the Crosby-Gensel-Russ line, as you might imagine, are terrific. Uh, they're really the driving force in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, so it doesn't look like, um, you know, I guess the one concern would be he gets bumped back with, with, with Malkin, who's struggled a little bit early on. But uh, right now, the way that line's going, I don't foresee that being uh, a real possibility. So Brian Russ, definitely terrific. Uh, I think Palat's great, too. Um, you know, if Brian Russ isn't that's available and, and, and Pellet is, uh, just a tremendous spot in the lineup. Uh, a little bit of a slow season a year ago, but he, we saw him really take off in the playoffs, uh, and he's kind of carried that over into this year. So uh, obviously, the set, you know twenty seven percent shooting percentage is uh, super high, and that's going to come down. But uh, I think he is a guy that can get kind of on like a thirty five assist pace.
0: Uh, you know, with with some uh, good talent around him, so he's rock Smith solid. On um, yeah, I was once in sure. Vegas and uh, was told I look like Andres Palat, was actually asked if I was him. So apparently I was either looking 100% or Andres Palat. I was just a great looking dude. But uh, yeah, <laughs> there we go. You should have went with it. You, you could have got some free
1: bevies. But uh, this couple came up to those. me.
0: They're like, we have season tickets and uh, you look a lot like him. I thought about it. Anyways, we can get going from there. But uh, that's my little pump up for myself. <laughs> uh, I don't think like any of us look like Rupe Hins, Cam Atkinson, or <laughs> Alexis wish. Lafreniere
1: uh, 40% to 50% owned range, Dylan. Um, obviously Lafreniere is, is included here because he's a, he's a player that I think a lot of people drafted with high hopes and, uh, he's been a little bit disappointing, uh, thus well, far. But uh, so, so a little bit. I'm, assu- I'm assuming that you, you, you don't prefer Lafreniere over Hans or Atkinson. So which of the other two do you prefer, but then maybe touch a little bit on, um, you know, what you expect from, you know, Lafreniere maybe in the next month here.
2: Uh, yeah, I think he's you know in redraft leagues he's obviously a comfortable third compared to to Atkinson. Um, Atkinson, I don't even think we'd really be talking about if he didn't have the four point night last night. Really kind of fluffing mm-hmm. up his totals a little bit, right? Um, but he, he does kind of obviously his outlook looks a little bit better now playing with Rozlevich uh, and Line, at least for the time being until Liney decides you know to take a shift off back checking again. Um, but you know, the, the upside, I think, definitely kind of, um, at, at the very least, is stabilized, right? Like, when DuBois left, it it certainly wasn't looking good for the surrounding parts in Columbus. But um, just see yeah, Atkinson and Landham's on, on that sort of line. Um, not totally that, uh, against the Blackhawks or, or against a team like the Blackhawks. Atkinson, obviously, has flourished uh, alongside Topter Town in the past, right? So, um I just think, you know, we've kind of seen uh, his, his upside. He's not shooting as much as he was a couple of years ago when he topped 40 goals. So I don't think um, he's quite capable of playing at that pace at this point. I think he's uh, more of kind of like a 30 goal, maybe 20 to 25 assist guy at this point. Um, but certainly, like I said, it looks a lot more promising for him than it did. We go hints on the other hand, uh, you know, we don't really know um, where his upside is quite yet. Um, this is the first time really seeing him play in an expanded role and getting the chance um, to really kind of drive the offense. Dallas Dallas playing over 18 minutes a night this season. Uh, obviously, a point per game so far. He's got four goals, five assists, and nine games. Um, shots aren't actually up a ton, which is a little bit disappointing, considering he's playing almost four extra minutes a night, right around two shots a game, uh, which is what he did last season. Um, so yeah, it'd be, obviously we want to see him shoot more, um, five v five numbers don't look fantastic, but the important thing is he's getting the ice time. He has, uh, the talent, um, the, that warrants that, you know, that, that top tier ice time and the power play time as well. So I think that's where obviously he's going to do most of, um, his damage this year. If he can hold on um, to that spot again, he's just a difficult player to project because we've never seen him kind of play in this, uh, extended role before. Um, but I just think from a purely upside uh, perspective, hints intrigues me a little bit more, so I'll give him this light edge over Atkinson.
0: Yeah, I uh, just to make it interesting. I actually am going to put the rookie Lafreniere at number two here. Um, I got Rupe hints first for all the same reasons. D and actually wrote down as well. I'd love to see a couple more from that uh, that free flowing center there. And plus, you know, if I'm going to pump up Dennis Girianov every episode, I have to uh, do his counterpart, Rupe hints here. But uh... For me, Alexis Lefrenier coming back off an injury. Um, obviously, you know, you mentioned it, absolute um terrible start. Um, can't can't really go much worse than what's what's happened. Line one or plain line two and power play one though out in New York, I really expect things to kind of flick around, start start working a little bit better there. Obviously, not having Panterin is hurting, but there still are a lot of us out there. And when it clicks, um, I just that, that 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 that's the big statement there, though. When it clicks, if it doesn't click right away, I'm gonna look like a huge dumbass. But if it does. Here we go. Um, that's why I want him at number two. Cam Atkinson, for me, just uh, you know, he, he realistically, too, he's got the goals, he's got the assists, he's on line one um, on power play. For me, if uh, he wasn't riding such a hot streak right now, like you mentioned, um, I don't think we're really talking about him either. So that PP2 and this hot streak scares me. If he goes, all Lafrenia has to do is just play like his actual self and uh, and I think he's a better option. So if you have been holding on to Lafrenia and or Lafrenia, I'm probably butchering it every other Time. yeah i've been holding on to alexis then um for this might <laughs> as well just keep holding um because you know you've already you've been through the worst uh you can only imagine ah, hints lafrenier atkinson um yeah
1: i think hints is number one for me too uh, it's just the ice time there i think is a little bit more sustainable uh, like you game. know we've seen with yeah, and we've seen with John Tortorella, like fuck, anything can happen at this point. Uh, Atkinson could be on the fourth line and, and barely playing in, in a, a game. Um, it, it, I think just the the um, level of trust, obviously, is, is there in, in Dallas with Rupe Hinn. So I think that just the the ice time alone is, is just a lot more sustainable. Uh, I, I am intrigued to see what Lafreniere can do. Um, you know, this evening, uh, obviously, it's you know just a one game uh look but with, with panarin out he is going to be with ryan strome um and he is going to be on the top power play unit so it's going to be interesting to see what he's, he's capable of doing in that role uh because if, if he flourishes if he's able to kind of uh you know have a decent night maybe it does earn him a little bit more run maybe on this advantage ad line here in the near future or, or on the right side replacing Kako. but right now he's just he's just a guy that you're gonna have to kind of hold on to and mm-hmm. um keep on your bench and just hope that it, it, it does turn. Obviously, um, you know, he's been playing a lot with Brett Howden, which isn't great, but uh, he has a 3.8 on a shooting percentage. So that's going to start to figure itself out. Eventually, obviously playing with, with uh, Brett Howden isn't great uh, to for that regard, but uh, Philip Heidel will be back in the mix eventually. And, and those two were really good together in the limited sample size early. So I'm not panicking too much with Lafrenia yet. Obviously it's been disappointing, but Uh, I'm not a big Atkinson guy. Uh, I'm not a big Columbus guy this season. They just, you know, other than last night, they really have had no offense going at all. So uh, I much prefer hints at this point as well. Uh, I'm surprised uh, that we're all in agreement here.
2: I'm actually a bit in disagreement with Lafreniere. I think, you know, the time's really running out on him in, in redraft leagues. He's playing, you know, barely 12, 14 minutes a night. Um, I don't like his output or his outlook at all tonight. I think Strom and Kako traditionally are both passengers in their own right. I think without Panarin, that line's really going to struggle. I think it's going to look a lot like out in line tonight. Um, I, I think he needs to get a, a look in with Sabanajet or, or at least uh, or Panarin uh, when he's healthy. So um, to me right now, the minutes he's getting, even playing with Strom and Kako, um, you know, shooting like one and a half times a game, Uh, getting badly outpossessed at 5v5. I just, I have a really hard time imagining uh, the kind of turnaround that needs to happen to warrant him being rostered uh, in redraft leagues this season. I I think he's a terrific talent. I I think keeper leagues, obviously, you you don't even think twice about dropping this guy. Uh, But I just think you look at the roster makeup, um, if he's not playing with his advantage at, it's, it's hard to imagine him doing a lot of damage at 5v5 this season uh and just the clock's ticking it's a really shortened season we've only got about nine weeks left in the fantasy regular season um so i don't know how much we can or how much longer we can afford to wait on him uh in redraft leagues. so I'm um him a yeah i've seen it a lot the uh, last what'd you say
0: i'm ge- i'd be giving him about a week and a half too from my own personal um to yeah show like I'm i said end. if he's not yeah, getting that, that
2: run in with Yeah, if he's not getting that run with Zabanajad or or Panarin, uh, you know, at least playing over fifteen minutes a night, it's really hard to imagine him having any sort of tangible impact um, in fantasy or in standard redraft leagues this season.
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree with you in terms of like obviously and kako that line takes a massive hit without Panther and he's the reason that they're even remotely That's good so for sure. Good. Uh, I I think it's just it is going to be interesting. Obviously, it's not a great match with Boston, but it's going to be interesting to see just you know if they're capable of getting anything going in in um ex, in, in expanded minutes. Uh, with you know, Lef- for LaFrenier. obviously it's it's the same amount of minutes that Stroman Kako usually play. Um, but it, if you know, maybe it's not so much the thing where it's like Strom, Kako, uh, Lafreniere the whole time, but maybe he has a good showing tonight. and misses a, a handful of games and Lafrenier's with Sabanjad next game and, and Priders on the second line or whatever it is. That's all I'm saying is I think it's a, a decent spot here, you know, with, with uh, and out to maybe showcase what he can do in top six and end up on a line uh, with Sabanjad But um, it, the, the clock is certainly ticking and I'm kind of in agreement there with Biebs in terms of maybe just a week, uh, week and a half here to the point, you know, if he, if he's got, um, you know, one goal and zero assists in 16 games, you know, this time next week, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to warrant keeping him, uh, you know, past that. So uh, obviously we're all in agreement here with, with Rupe Hintz. Uh, let's move to the 30 to 40% ownership range. Uh, Biebs will open with you on this one. Dylan Strom from Chicago, Jack Roslovich, who we talked a little bit about earlier uh, from Columbus or Anthony Mantha from the Detroit Red Wings.
0: This one got hard because uh, we attacked me personally because my uh, one of my sleepers off the bat was Dylan Strom. And then I actually had Anthony Mantha as a top 10 winger, both of which actually the sleeper on Strom could have kind of worked for a little bit. But (laughs) Manta is certainly not a top 10 winger. Um, And then we made me look okay because we have Jack Roslovic, who when this trade happened, I said he was a nice little addition. Um, And uh, you guys said no he's not not he's really not he's just useless he's a no you didn't call him useless but you got thrown. I said he was <laughs> a nice little not piece call he called him a throw-in I, I called him a nice little first round piece that he could do something he also
2: he also wanted to trade out it, it made absolute sense that he got thrown into that deal he'd been looking for a move out of Winnipeg for a few years so I, yeah, that's I where had, I, was at with I had
0: said something and he got shut down so I just wanted to bring that up because I was completely wrong with it
1: tape in Dylan, and, and in and my defense, I think what we did say was that he hasn't really done much for us to this point. And, and uh, I stand by that 100% just because he really hadn't done anything in, in Winnipeg. It was obviously uh, a more limited role. All I said uh, was uh, he like, was a, a good crazy. piece to add, and you guys didn't agree. No, so, I, no, of course I, I agree that he was a good piece to add. I just didn't think that he was you know, what he had brought to Winnipeg really was not what he has brought to Columbus early on. Um and the minutes I'm are not definitely up. And it's guy. and it's it's changed everything. Like obviously, if you go from playing thirteen minutes a night with Adam Lowry to playing twenty minutes a night with Atkinson and Line, a, it's gonna change
0: your outlook. <laughs> hey, still heard it. Um but yeah, obviously. He was none, none he was us, a good throw in piece. None of us thought um he would be a fantasy piece, but now uh, he's actually leading this list for me out of the three players here, um, which is kind of crazy. I don't think I'd ever say that. Um, and I might change that in a week, depending on what happens. But um, for me, it's more the other two guys letting me down and um, just a pure recency bias for this one. Um, since he's joined the team, um, he's kind of been the star of the three-tailed PLD, hasn't had a chance to really play, but still. Um, and then we obviously know what happened with Line. A. They dereferenced it earlier. Um, Rozovic has just been on a total tear. and. Uh, I think they've been working there um that it you know it doesn't seem like they're getting, like torts seems to like it um which is a good start but as you referenced previously with K out torts liking it is and, literally
1: half the battle know, in yeah. Columbus. yeah and
0: it's so like, you're like oh he likes you as a centerman that's the best thing that could have happened for you um one thing more, um again it's just just how hot that line's been and like you said he's playing with some absolute um supreme wing- wingers up there and having line A shooting the puck next to you is always great um for me you know strome what really hurts him i love his pp one time but it's all the other time that he plays line two you know he's just playing with some absolute terrible wingers um no offense to the rest of that chicago lineup that's not patrick kane or dominic um, Kubalik is Brinket. far from terrible <laughs> not not terrible but uh, <laughs> outstanding i mean he is actually pretty good that's that's not fair but still you know strome for me it's just uh the ice times there but the the eight points if he's not Getting it done, he's already had. Um, there's other guys, as we're going to reference, in Parr Suter coming up that lineup. Um, a couple other guys who it looks like might take that time. Strom lost. Uh, went to, I believe it was 13 minutes um, in this previous game. Um, I mean, before that, he's, uh, he was around 18 minutes a night. So nothing too scary about the, the time on ice. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I just don't see that team trending in the right direction, and, and Strom's not necessarily – part of that top line that is the one line that i want to own you know chicago and then mantha i don't want to shit on him too much but brock we know what's happening out there jeff blashill is the coach and he decides to move that line up around every single and not put together the lark mantha bertuzzi line like we all want and now bertuzzi's hurts so we're not going to see that um so uh if you're in a deep league uh, i'm saying it's almost time to drop this guy. But uh line two power play one. Um you don't really want a red wing unless their name's Larkin. Um as we talked about. So, so yeah, um, I don't love Mantha right now. The 38 shots is nice. But um yeah, give me Roslovic Stromantha, but this one was this one was a tough three. D
2: Yeah, I think we gotta go Roslevic as well. I'm you yeah. know certainly not convinced that he's gonna be a point per game player uh no, in Columbus, no. but Definitely deserves a look in at this point, right? Um, yeah, done nothing but impress there. Um, certainly taken every uh, every uh, advantage of the opportunity so far to play on that line with line A and Atkinson. So, um, yeah, obviously, you don't imagine that run's going to end anytime, you know, particularly soon. So, certainly, like I said, someone that deserves a look in. Um, really tough to forecast where he's even going to settle in at this point in this point production, but it's hard to imagine someone, you know, if he does maintain that kind of ice time, playing 20 minutes a night with Atkinson and line a top power play, it's hard to imagine him not being uh, fantasy relevant. So, yeah, definitely the most intriguing uh, asset here uh, out of the three. Uh, Dylan Strom, I, I really don't want to make the connection because it's it's kind of a lazy one to make. But uh, I we did just make the point with his brother, right, kind of a passenger at 5v5, generally needs uh, a, a pretty strong winger to help him get in and out of the zone. Uh, and, and create some quality scoring chances. And yeah, D- Dylan's been a, a lot of the same uh, throughout his career in Chicago. He's really struggled at 5v5 away from Patrick Kane. It's been more of the same this year. Uh, and the power play production has tailed off as well. So he's really needed that power play production to kind of supplement um, the lack of 5v5 scoring chances that, uh, that he's able to create without the uh, quality elite talent playing alongside him. So Um, For me, I think he's comfortably third uh, uh, out of the three here. I still like Manta's upside. Um, You know, he he still plays a ton. He still shoots a ton. uh, You know, good position eligibility uh, in standard leagues. I think he's a fine bottom of the roster guy. Uh, Doesn't seem, you know, the plus minus. Yeah, it's going to hurt you. um, uh, But he can also help you out with things like hits and, and things like that if you're in. Um, some deeper cats leagues. So it uh, depends on your league, of course, but I, I do think Mantha is going to provide a little bit more fantasy value this year than Dylan Strome, but with what Rozovich done so far, he's got to take top spot. In,
1: in Roz- Strom's defense, uh, you know, he has been playing with Dabrinkat and Kubelik for the majority of the season. Um, Dabrinkat was moved up with Kane last game, but I would imagine Thanks that it'll much. probably be uh, Dabrinkat, De- Kubelik, and Strome uh, again in the near future, because uh, Suter or Soderbergh and Kane, whoever's been there, uh, Khrushchev even for a point. Kane's been able to just kind of do it with whoever's been on his line. And like you said, D uh, Strom needs a little bit more help. And, and All things considered so far, that line's actually been fairly solid um, in terms of just kind of all-around play uh, at 5v5. Like, they're not giving up a whole lot, they're, but they're not also generating a ton, which is which is for sure concerning. Yeah, well, they're
2: getting outshot a lot, right? Like, Strom and Kubelik are at 41% possession on the season. So, um yeah Strom's it. just a guy that's always kind of had trouble getting out of his own end so it's not a huge surprise um and yeah kublik not exactly uh well great talent not exactly maybe the zone breaker um that strome needs
1: yeah and like and i'm talking i guess just strictly uh from what i'm looking at right here like yeah the the, the, the course has definitely um been an issue for uh the blackhawks as a whole so far this season but um you know, in, in terms of expected goals, they've been really, you know, you know, just basically average, which you want, you're expecting a lot more than just kind of average players at this point <laughs> um, in the fantasy season. So Roslovich, I think for me is obviously top spot. Um, you know, like, I, I think that we would like to see a little bit more shot production from him, but when you're playing with line A and playing with Atkinson, there's really not a whole lot of shots to go around. Um, so yeah. I, I think obviously shooting 28% is not something that's very sustainable, but we've seen Um, a couple of highlight real goals from him already. So definitely looks like a kid that's motivated heading back home uh, and towards, like we said, I think, you know, what's very interesting about the whole Rosovich situation here is I think this is a lot of kind of what we expected to see out of Max Domi, right? Like we were, we were a little bit excited to see what Domi could do uh, with some of the talented wingers that they have in Columbus. And he's just has struggled. He's already been moved to the wing. Um, But I thought that there, there could be, you know, Domi was a 70 point centerman a couple of years ago and, I thought that this is kind of similar production to what Domi could have this year. And now it's kind of just been moved on to Roslovich given, um, given the playing time. And then as far as Mantha goes, like obviously he got healthy scratch the other night, which was less than ideal. But when he came back, he's been red hot. Um, the one thing that sticks out for me, obviously is the shot volume. And Mantha did say at the start of the season that he wanted to get five shots on net every single game this year. The fact that that's just a, go- that, that's just a goal of his. just a good uh, goal. To me-
0: that's a great to- goal. He's
1: <laughs> my new me- favorite player. <laughs> yeah, to me, like that's like the best news ever from a fantasy perspective. And like he, he said that in the media and it's something that he wanted to do. So, um, you know, I, if you're looking at the Red Wings, like there's there's probably not. That a It does more sound bo- like
2: you're just trying to hit the goalie, though, right?
1: Yeah, kind of. Like you're not um, even
2: trying to bury. Like you're just no, focused on getting. The I want to just right get five
1: now. on net every day, but <laughs> uh, like the usage is definitely there. I don't think there's a more boring team in the NHL than the Red Wings right now. They've they've kind of found their identity through defense this year, um, and obviously from a fantasy perspective, that zaps a lot of their value. But if there is a couple guys to own on that roster, it, it's Mantha and it's it's Larkin. So um, I still like Mantha's upside quite a bit. Um, probably better than Strom as well. I'm in agreement with you there, D. But uh, Roslovich definitely comes out on top. Um, and then, D, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to you here uh, quickly. Guy who was traded for Dylan Strom, Nick Schmaltz uh, in, in Arizona, Evgeny, <laughs> Dan- <laughs> Evgeny Daninov in, in Ottawa, and Pavel Buchnevich in New York. Uh, which of these three would you rather have? Obviously, we've talked about Connor Garland quite a bit uh, in recent weeks, but we really haven't talked a whole lot about Nick Schmaltz.
2: Yeah, the, like I just said it, right? The forgotten man Schmaltz um, was the main piece that went back over in that Dylan Strom trade. And if you guys probably remember, he actually uh, started off his career in Arizona uh, quite well. Yeah, he ripped up 14 points in 17 games before he picked up a career end, or not a career ending, sorry, a season ending Career ending injury. Uh, that yeah, out. career ender. Uh, that, and that was in a couple years ago, 2018 19. Uh, and then last year, kind of, you know, pretty, pretty standard to what we're used to seeing with him. He's, Uh, a decent playmaker. Uh, we saw it in Chicago, although he was playing with, you know, a little bit more elite talent. He's playing with Kane that year when he racked up 31 assists, but last year had 34 in Arizona. Um, but yeah, I don't think the goals are really going to be there. Um, you know, he's, has always shot at a decent clip. He's got a 13 and a half career shooting percentage, but still just 29 shots in 12 games. Uh, it's encouraging. It's a lot better than, than what we've seen from him in the past uh i'm a little bit skeptical that if he is managed to kind of keep that up shoot two and a half times a game that he's still going to shoot over 15 percent um so we'll see there uh but it's promising uh, I, i'm really happy that he's just healthy and you know getting a run his ice time's on the rise it's at 60 minutes on the season right now uh but he's been over 17 18 minutes each of the last couple of games so uh seems to be commanding more ice time there it's a surprisingly deep uh top nine in uh, arizona this year right like um so maybe not as much minutes there for the taking as there would have been in the past, even though he's commanding the top line role um, difficult to say how much minutes that top line is actually going to get uh, when you got, you know, Kessel and Broussard playing on the third line. So um, interesting there, but yeah, it's just really good to see him kind of healthy and getting a run and getting the chance to play top line, top power play minutes. So uh, for me, definitely got worthy of a pickup. I do like Puchnevich just a little bit more, Um, another guy that we've really just been waiting to kind of get that top line role and get the ice time, uh, that he seemingly deserves. Uh, and you know, he's taken full advantage of it so far, shooting the puck a ton, uh, and his ice line, or sorry, his ice time is not wavered uh, at all. Um, so yeah, I, 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 it really does seem like he's going to get a good solid run on that top line this year. So I would give him a slight edge over Nick Schmaltz. Um, And then Dadunov, for me, comfortably coming in third uh, out of the three here. Not a huge surprise, right? Um, Comfortably. Yeah, like we we kind of expected this to happen with uh, all kind of uh, his supporting cast uh, taking a pretty big hit moving from Florida uh, to Ottawa this season. Uh, Not a guy who's you know, typically can create a ton of chances for himself um So yeah, certainly not shocking to see him only pick up five points in fifteen games this season. Obviously, plus minus going to be an issue all season as well. Uh, so Dadanov, you know, not really of much interest to me at this point. Uh, I'd probably give Buchnevich the slight leg up on Schmaltz, um, but if Schmaltz could somehow pick up another minute or two a night, uh, I think he could be looking at a, a real breakout season
0: nailed it um that's kind of exactly how I felt one thing that really stood out for me that pushes Bushnevich just a bit above schmaltz is uh bushnevich only has two power play points this year um something that we would absolutely expect to rise up um and like D said his usage has not changed he's had over 21 and a half minutes three of his last games for a four that has to be right up there with uh with with some of the top I mean that's ridiculous usage um, we never see anything like that um and just playing alongside Jordan Zbinajad just looks a little bit better than Schmaltz. I do love Schmaltz and have him right right there just a, a slight inch to Bushnevich like he said um, because if I'm going to pump up Christian Dvorak last week um, Nick Schmaltz is ba- basically Christian Dvorak on a better um, line one with Garland and Clayton Keller um, as you mentioned you know this is a guy who had some they, they expected big things when he came over had 52 points in 70 games as a 22 year old in Chicago um, which is basically feel eligible back then um and someone who really just with the usage has that potential to um to be you know the t- one of the top guys out in Arizona uh, um so for me Schmaltz just below but but I do love what he's doing out there and I think you should own both these guys if you can or you know if you have the option to but uh but yeah Schmaltz coming in right there um, it's going to be a toss up as the year goes on and uh, one might outscore the other we'll see where it goes but yeah Daddy coming in, in the third um you know I'm just dropping this guy in most leagues and hmm. them up because Ottawa tends to play on the nights that no one else plays on. Um, you know, who would have thought without Barkov and Hughes and playing with Nick Paul and Colin white, you'd have worse stats. We are only 31 shots through 15 games. I don't want any of that daddy. Um, yeah. I'm also, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in disagreement there. Um, I actually
1: like that Adonoff- a decent amount. Um, like obviously he's number three on on this this list. (laughs) Yeah. You're really
2: going to have to sell us. So he's definitely going to be number three
1: uh, on this, on this list for me still. Um, but I I think he's definitely worth a pickup if Schmaltz and Bucinavich are both gone. Uh, daddy, obviously a really, really slow start, um, has kind of picked things up recently, which is good to see, uh, two goals in his last three games taking a little bit to get going, obviously. But, uh, I, I think actually getting Colin white back in that lineup has been a good thing for daddy. Um, The line has actually been producing um, scoring chances at at some of the best rates in the entire NHL. Um, They're an absolute tire fire in their own end, but they, you know, they play (laughs) a very high event game. Um, It's a, it's a power play. That's got a good amount of pieces and Dadanoff is a very important part of that. Um, So I I think like, you know, if if we're saying like, there's, there's better days ahead for Alexis Lafreniere, I think there's, um, there's not very many players in the NHL that I think have kind of had just more of a, of a, unfortunate start than Dadanoff did in Ottawa. Um and I think that there is there's much better days ahead uh for him. You know, 5.8 on ice shooting percentage, super low. Uh career low, um, sh- you know, personal shooting percentage as well. So uh I don't like I don't think like uh, you know coming into the season I said that he's not going to be nearly as good obviously without Barkov and huberdo Like we've seen just what Barkoff has done with Carter Hagee and Anthony Duclair, right? Like he's just an absolute freak of nature. But um I do think that, that, uh, Dadunov has a place, you know, at the bottom of, of deep fantasy rosters, but to me still, um, much prefer Nick Schmaltz and Pavel Buchnevich. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but first and second, um, in the NHL, at least a couple, as of a couple nights ago, um, in terms of expected goals for at five V five Connor what? Garland, number one, Nick Schmaltz, number two, which is just Damn. incredible. Um, they're, they're they've been absolutely outstanding so far this season. Uh, so I, I do like Nick Schmaltz. That's Schmalt's not
2: their point. personal expected goals, right? That's Arizona's expected goals with them on the ice.
1: Yes, yeah, like as a as a like as uh, as like a line, yeah, um, right. like w- okay. with them together, like they're expected goals for as a as a line, like on the right. ice, yeah. But like I mean, you got to score goals when you're on the ice to pick up points. But yes, yes. How about Connor Garland
0: finally it. getting the respect we've been asking for? Um, I believe he's near sixty-five percent owned across all Yahoo leagues now. That's yeah, yeah. awesome to see I, that he I, deserves.
1: it. I wanted to include him instead of Chris Kreider in the first. Segment like 50 to 60% owned there. But I was like, you know, we're just going to freak out and talk about Connor Garland for 12 minutes. And I, I think people have had enough. So <laughs> you already know how much we love Connor Garland. So Nick Schmaltz, uh, that line has just been, you know, outstanding. Um, you know, they were really good even before Clayton Keller got moved to that line. Um, and obviously Clayton Keller is probably the most skilled player that they, they can put up there with them. So I, I think like, as they continue to build chemistry, that trio, um, they're just going to only continue to get better. Uh, so I do prefer Nick Schmaltz just slightly over Buchnevich but I think it's just like, actually, I, I can't even say that, to be honest with you, because Buchnevich has had a pretty good start, and that line really hasn't done anything either. Like, I think it is only a matter of time before his advantage ad starts to get things going. Um, so I, I, I got to go with Buchnevich by a hair here still, just because he's, he's basically matched Schmaltz's production with, with uh, without the you know, impressive start from Zibanejad that a lot of us were expecting. So uh, I will give a slight edge to Bucinevich still, but I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, the fact that Nick Schmaltz is down below 30%, uh, but even Bucinevich, like the fact that either one of these guys is, is not even 30% owned to me is is wild. So um, I, I like those guys a lot. I just wanted to give a little bit of positivity to Evgeny off because I think, he, you know, especially you, beeps you
0: shit on him a little too much for my liking
2: got the best name for me. but
0: he's letting me down left and right and watching that team all the time because again only one's on on Wednesdays Mondays i, I just uh it's all i, gotta I, say. I, I think there's better days ahead i i think that uh, we're yeah, going to be yeah you think there's better days ahead but in, in a couple I mean,
1: weeks here we're going to be talking about, i don't think we're going to be talking about him like lighting light the world on fire but i think that he is a decent um deeply player at, at you know 130 percent owned but uh, let's move on here we've got 10 to 20 percent owned uh i don't know who's gonna start so i'm just gonna go with d because we haven't heard from him in a while michael backland from calgary our boy nino nita rider uh from the Cal- uh, carolina hurricanes or jordan eberly from the new york islanders
2: okay well it's not Everly. i, I can say that pretty comfortably i i appreciate <laughs> um you know what he's done I appreciate the fact that he's still very much a serviceable player uh, at this point um he's had a very interesting career trajectory um you know he peaked in his second year when he was 21 years old and he's never been able to match that production but still like I said obviously a very effective player I just don't think he shoots enough or creates enough offense at this point um to you know where he's going to threaten anywhere near a 30 goal 60 point pace um, so not a whole lot of interest to me for Jordan Eberly. I, I think, you know, with his usage, he's another guy that you can look at uh, on more of a nightly basis, certainly deeper leagues, but more so a streaming target uh, in kind of regular leagues. If, you know, you're looking for an extra game and he's available on the wire, certainly someone that uh, can help to to get into your lineup for sure. Um, as far as the other two go, I mean, I don't think I have much of a choice here, right? I think we absolutely have to back our boy uh Nino Niederreiter anytime he shows any sort of signs of life um you know back when uh, one of my favorite players for a while now I, I think he's just a very effective uh two-way hockey player um but you know we've kind of seen what what he offers right I mean I'm just going to read you his point totals from the last six years okay 47 53 45 47 45 um, and he's got eight and thirteen so far this year, right? Uh, ice time, no, not it's not up at all. It's, he's right along what he normally plays. He's going to play heavy minutes because, like I said, he's one of the better two-way centers uh, in the league. But in terms of his offensive output, he's always going to top out around a forty-five to fifty-point pace. Uh, Nino, I just think uh, there's still a little bit more potential there. <laughs> um, he's still playing sixteen minutes a night, yet he's shooting over three times a game. Uh, He's got six goals in 11 games this year while, you know, while shooting just 17%. I say just, obviously, you know, that's a high shooting percentage, but uh, it's not incredibly unsustainable when you think the fact that he's scoring more, uh, he's scoring more than a goal every other game. So um, 12% career shooting percentage. If he can maintain that this year in Carolina, which we haven't, you know, quite seen yet, obviously he showed it in the one half stint, but then fell off last year. Um, So if he can uh, maintain a career shooting percentage, uh, continues to shoot as much as he is that Trocheck line I think is only going to continue to see more ice time uh, I think we can really look be looking at a 30 goal pace uh, for Nino Niederreiter this season uh, they've been absolutely outstanding at 5v5 they certainly warrant some more playing time so hopefully he gets it uh, and yeah I just think there's more upside to Nino Niederrider than Backlund or Everly so I got to go with our
1: boy here I can just sense the PTSD in your voice <laughs> Did you hear
2: cracking and wavering Yeah, and it's uh,
1: uh, like, obviously, and Biebs, I'm sorry to jump in here first, but I, I think that it, it, it's Um I don't think anybody's pumped his tires more than me, so I, I just have to I have to jump on D's back here and, and own this one. Uh, but he does have, um, in my opinion, the highest upside. I am, I, I guess the one concern for me is the fact that Martin Etjas is hurt. Uh, he's kind of just like the one-man zone entry for them. Uh, and, and obviously replacing him with somebody like, uh, you know, whether it, it right now it's Brock McGinn. I don't, you know, I, I don't love that. Um, I, I think what would be nice is, is if they put Sveshnikov with Ajo um, and, and put Tara Vinan on that wing to help replace Nechaz, that would be massively helpful for Trocek and Ida Ryder. But I am a little concerned, um, although... I don't think Natchez is supposed to miss a, a, an extended period of time, but that is a little bit concerning. And and you're right, you know, you hit the nail right in the head with Backlund, basically like kind of a 50-point pace. Uh, but I think he's a decent add, you know, if Niederreiter isn't available and, and you're in some of these deeper leagues. Um, him and Mangiapane, you know, I, I'm kind of talking from, uh, you know, doing all the looking at every lines underlines numbers this season, and, and him and Mangiapane have been absolutely uh amazing so far this year their, their numbers are just ridiculous uh and, and they weren't really getting anything done early in the year because uh the, their shooting uh on a shooting percentage was like five percent or something uh you know Backman's has climbed up to 9.6 a very like right around his career uh average so uh i think he's going to kind of settle in back in that that 50 point pace which isn't you know it's not going to blow your socks off but it's not terrible either uh when we're talking about picking him up under 20 percent owned
0: yeah. Um I mean I can't add much more onto that. Um Nino for me, Backlund number two, um, Jordan Everly number three. I do think that both Backlund and Nino should be just a a little bit moaned across all leagues um especially with just like you said with backlin we just you know what you're getting for sure and I feel like there's some guys who are a little bit higher on who you don't. Um yeah need the goals um the goals that he's had four four plus shots in all of his last six games which has led to four goals and assists in just as many games. Um yeah net chest that would be great but uh yeah not not gonna beat the uh beat a dead horse. is that the phrase yeah it is.
2: oddly enough that is the same yes
0: we'll we're uh we'll not, let you do that
1: on the pod we'll not let you me. start here with the next one then we've got uh under 10 percent owned our Thank last you. group of forwards <laughs> uh you got got pia Suter. uh we've got andrew mangiopani who i just mentioned and i had to give an honorable mention to Philip Zadina, yeah, yeah. who uh just because adina you know he's back in the lineup after missing yeah, some he's time playing hockey, orbit, for sure, yeah. and he's yeah. on a line with dylan larkin right now so for super super deep leagues uh that's kind of what we're talking about here um, just wanted to throw him in because there wasn't a whole lot of other intriguing targets down this low own.
0: But uh, D- Biebs, we'll start with you. Got scared. I was gonna about to get robbed there. But um, for me, I got uh, the name that has people asking who the hell is this guy. I got PS Suter as my main dude. He is currently all three wings, well, two wings and a center eligible on you. Um, I think in everybody's, in a
1: lot of people's defense, I think a lot of people are asking who a lot of these guys are. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe actually, all, somebody, Some people might not argue any of them.
0: Have you ever seen? Uh, oh man, I can't continue. I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Continue yeah, you, with okay. your. All right, um, twenty-four-year-old rookie though, who's kind of came out of nowhere for Chicago and really seems to be gaining uh, their coach's trust. The last two games he's had, I mean, it's only a two-game sample, but he has averaged uh, 17 and a half minutes ice time. That's great. As the top-line center, um, getting a top, an under 10% owned guy who's the top-line, who's playing alongside Patrick Kane, um, is just, you know, that's phenomenal on a top-line, as well as on power play, too, uh, where he hasn't seen very much success. So, of his six goals, three assists um only one of those points has come on the power play this is a guy who's doing quite well on 5v5 on a, on a rough team so um if you are in a very very deep league take a look at this guy um for my in my opinion it should be somewhere around the 20-25 percent owned range so i got Pius suitor as my main boy um maybe i got uh, andrew i gotta go margia pan um, or Margiopani, uh, mostly just because everything you said about Backlund in the last statement basically is, is Margiopani in this one. Um, that they, they ride together. They're the same, but um, I'm, I'm convinced they're the same dude. Yeah, so three, anyways, um, three six points in his last six games. That's really added to his seven points all year. Um, so obviously hot right now. So that's really why Margiopani steps out for me. But um, in the long run, maybe Philip Zadina steps ahead of him just because of uh like you has alongside Dylan Larkin is not bad, and uh, it seems like they want to give him a little bit more ice up there as you know their main prospect. But yeah, Pi Suter, Margie Penny, and then Philip Lina for this
1: guy. So what I was gonna interrupt there and say, but I let you finish, so uh, you're welcome. Sorry. But have <laughs> you guys ever have you guys no, ever seen? No. I think it, I don't even know what the title of it is, but it's like Amy shoot Schu- some Amy Schumer movie, and she's dating like uh dates like a sports like Doctor or some shit. You ever seen that movie?
2: um, Yeah, it's Trainwreck.
1: Okay, yeah, whatever. Okay, so you know the one scene where it's like they're talking around the table and they're talking about the Doctor and the two sports writers are like, yeah, he did Amari Stoudemider and the other guy's like, yeah, he did Thabocephalosia and she's just sitting there like, are these
0: even real people? <laughs> that's
1: what I was just thinking. Some of these people must be like Pius Suter, Andrew Mangiapane, Philip. Yeah. Stina, I don't
2: think crazy. you want to be bragging about uh, being the doctor who worked on Amari Stoudemire's knee, though.
1: No, no. no. Not, not the best case. Uh, no, I don't
2: think that's your prime case. I though, don't think you got a all.
1: five-star review there. But uh, <laughs> do you, who are you picking up in this uh, Thabocephalosia division? Um, <laughs>
2: It's going to have to be Suter, right? Like, I I really have absolutely zero interest in Mangiapane or Zadina. Zadina, I I guess maybe, you know, I'll check his numbers in a week's time, see if he's still playing 17 minutes like he has the last couple of nights, see if he's shooting at all, uh, playing alongside Larkin. So maybe keep an eye on him. Mangiapane, I I don't think um, there's really much upside there uh, at this point, uh, you know, at least not in Calgary for him. So um, it's got to be Suter who, you know, strangely enough, Hadn't really done a whole lot um, before this season. He played for the Guelph Storm for two years, uh, 2013-14 and 14-15. And then he went back over to Switzerland and actually played a couple seasons in Switzerland's second division. um, Or at least a couple stints there anyway. It looks like it might have even just been lone stints. Uh, And it wasn't even like he was much of an offensive force uh, in Switzerland until... Ah, uh, the 2019-20 season when he uh, did. picked up 30 goals, 23 assists, and 50. That times. was uh,
1: that was like the league lead in points there that year in 2020.
2: Yeah, yeah it's just, so it's not an incredibly high scoring league. Um, but yeah, that was what his age? I think 22, 23 season, and yeah, so he, he peaked out. Um, and again, topped out of 40 goals in junior. Or so not necessarily someone who flashed a ton of offensive upside in the past but you know certainly seems to be an effective player he's caught the eye of Carl Tinney, and as long as he's playing with patrick kane he's certainly worth a look um someone very difficult to forecast because of his lack of history like i said um obviously the tracking numbers that we have available uh in the swiss league not quite the same for the nhl so i'm not quite sure how often this guy was shooting or the or you know the amount of scoring chances he was generating over in switzerland Uh, Certainly couldn't have been terrible if he was leading the league in points. Um, So an intriguing option for sure. Uh, You know, I don't think he's going to light the league on fire. I don't think this is our Tammy Pander in 2.0 by any stretch, but, um, you know, certainly he could end up being uh, a serviceable fantasy asset if he plays the entire season uh, alongside Patrick Kane.
1: Yeah, um, so, so I guess we're not going to be in agreement on this one. This might be the first one i will show here. Uh, number one for me is actually Mangiapane. Uh, he, I, I just really like their their underlying numbers as a whole. That line gets a ton of run. Uh, the the thing that concerns me about Suter um, is is Colton. Yeah, well, he he seems to have you know a little bit of trust in Suter, uh, it, it hasn't been like a very extended run with Kane. Right, like he'll play a game or two there with him. Um, and then he'll be he'll be on the third line with Carl Soderberg on the wing the next game. So, uh, you know, if we if we see an extended run where he's with Kane for for, you know, I, I think right now he's worth probably, um, you know, the higher waiver priority than Mangia Apani just because yeah. he is with Kane. Um, well, that's but what we're it, talking it, about right now. Yeah, but in the Obviously long run... Obviously, if he's on
2: the fourth line next week, then he's not even worth talking
1: about. But I don't, I don't
2: think Mangiapane has that sort of upside. I, th- of I think
1: Mangiapane's, like, long-term outlook uh, is a little bit better. Like, you, you, we're talking about how there's not a whole lot of history to go off of uh, with Suter. With Mangiapane, there is, I mean, just ridiculous numbers uh, in junior and at the AHL level uh, has certainly earned the trust uh, of... Um, of the Calgary flames coaching staff. Um, you know, his usage is really good. But the one thing that, that intrigues me a little bit, like, I, I think they're going to be hesitant, uh, to break up Michael Backlund and Mangia Pawnee, but if they decide to do that, I mean, he could land on any one of these other two lines in Calgary, uh, because it's not like the depth chart on the right side in Calgary is even remotely good. I mean, Dylan is fine. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's a fine player. Sam yeah. traded next week. Uh, and and Pawnee looks like probably the best winger uh, right winger on this entire roster. So,
2: yeah, that that that's fair, man. But like, he's, you know, he's not shooting or creating a lot of offense in the role as is and Suter, you know, obviously. Yeah. If he played on the top line, he, he'd be worth the look, but Suter's playing on the top line right now. Right. So shouldn't, how is he not the better option right now well because
1: because i mean realistically mangi upon numbers are are almost identical to his like yeah suitor suitor's numbers look pretty solid right now but he had a hat trick against detroit you take out you know he's got three goals and yeah, he other... just
2: started playing with patrick Kane. he's been playing Mangia with him a, still he's playing with much a... he's got seven points in 13 games he had 32 points in 68 games last year he's never even shot twice a game in his career i just you know
1: i just i, I, just, like, I'm not I think it. <laughs> i think obviously the one issue is like is playing with like the fact that he's able to put up, you know, half a point per game with Backlund is, is impressive because that is more of a shutdown uh, role, more of a shutdown line. So if you, I, I think that this is just his floor at this point. And if he moves up, it's going to be a totally different story. I just, I, I'm looking at the numbers and and in terms of generating uh, offense, they've been outstanding. So I think Mangi uh, you know, he's put a slow start behind him uh, and he's really picked up uh you know, he's got three goals, two assists in his last four games, four-game point streak. So uh, I, I think, like, in that Canadian division where goals are a plenty, I think he's just uh, got a little bit more upside. Um, obviously, Suter with Kane is, uh, is a nice spot. I, I just worry, like, you pick him up and by – by Tuesday, he's he's with Carl Soderberg, and, uh, and
2: yeah. But I mean, you pick up Mandzukic today, and he's with Backlund today, right? Like, so, yeah. But yeah, he's still certainly. For I team. think you can. My point is, you can wait to pick up Mangiapani. if you get. No one's rushing
1: to pick him up right now, and if they are, no, let, let him. I, run, I'm probably the him. only guy talking about him. Yeah, so I just, I a, know, I what I'm, I, you can win. I'm, there's I'm there's way higher a, on Mangia than Suter probably plays anybody. another
2: week or a week and a half alongside Patrick Kane, and you know he puts up a point per game in that in that time, he's gonna jump to 30, 40 percent, right? No uh, doubt. what? So, no, no, doubt. no, no doubt. doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just I, I I'm not disagreeing with anything you say. I just think at this point in time, Suter's already getting that opportunity right now, uh, whereas Manja still needs that to happen. And like you said, there's no reason for them to break up him and Backlund at this point in terms of what it brings to their hockey club. It gives them the chance to really free up the top two lines to go nuts.
1: No, and and that's what and I and I kind of said that at the start. Like, I I think in the short term, it it is probably Suter. But over, you know, uh, I would be shocked if by the end of the season, he has more points than Mangiapane. So over the long term, I still prefer Mangiapane. But um, right now, short term. You know, this weekend streaming, I think Souter's definitely a fine target. Um, all right, really quickly, let's just go through these last two groups of defensemen. Um, kind of the higher-owned, 40 to 70%-owned guys. We've got Justin Falk, Ryan Pollock, Alec Martinez. Uh, Beebs, who are you picking up really quick? I mean,
0: Justin Falk, he's got the shots. Uh, he's the only one of these three who has a goal. Um, and again, 35 shots on that. Uh, plus 12, it's really, Justin Falk's my guy. He's also missed a couple games too, so uh, you know, pretty good stats for only playing a couple. D. Ah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, Falk. I, I think Falk. Uh, there's not as obviously as much competition there as there was last year. Uh, I still don't think he's going to command a ton of power play time, um, yep. but I think he can fill the cat it's, uh, pretty nice nicely. He's got 42 hits in 13 games as well, so certainly in banger leagues, uh, and if you count shots as well. Um, some value can be provided by Justin Falk.
1: Yeah, definitely Falk for me too. Falk's a guy I was really high on during his time in Carolina, and then his usage in in St. Louis was actually a little bit strange. Uh, obviously, uh, in super deep blue line there last year, but still his his deployment was very bizarre. Uh, a guy that's really thrived on the power play throughout his career, and then almost got you know really no usage there uh, last year. Right now, he is on I guess you know they, they've basically got a one A one B power play unit. Uh, but he's on the Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Mike Hoffman power play unit right now. So uh, pretty good spot for him there. Um, you guys Krugan. know
2: Alec Martinez is 33 years old? Uh, I, I knew he like was
1: – I would add him eight. at like 31, but I, he's been in the league for a while. Yeah, I, I thought
2: he was 25 for the last 10 years.
1: Like, he's been playing now, so. since 2011, so <laughs> yeah. he's been around for a while. I knew he was, like, above 30. I, I wouldn't have imagined 33.
2: Sneaky. A sneaky 600 games played in yeah. his career, I
1: would say. But he's just outstanding. If your lead counts block shots, I think, like, yeah. instead yeah. of hits, he's definitely the one to own in this category. For sure. Because no, nobody yeah. blocks yeah. more shots than he does. And
2: it's worth noting about Falk, too. That's a little bit out of character for him. He only had 80 hits across the whole season. So for him to be having that many is kind of insane. So I think the, the one... The,
1: The one thing, too, is uh, is he's been bumped up to the top pairing with Torrey Crew, too. So he's been playing a ton. Um, You know, over 23 minutes a night right now. Only played 20 and a half last year. So, uh, you know, just a much larger role uh, with Petrangelo gone. uh, Also has one of the best dusters in the entire league right now. Uh, So. So, just uh, you got to give him the dusty bump there. Uh, but under 40% own, we've got Duncan Keith in Chicago, Rasmus Anderson in Calgary, Philip Haronik in Detroit. Biebs, who you going with? Oh my
0: god, can I just close my eyes and pick one randomly? Uh, sure, give it to me. Give me none. Give me Philip Ronick in Detroit because he's the one that, that maybe has potential to get on a power play and he get has more. And he has the most points out of all these and the most shots. So fuck. Okay, That's so just list. to interrupt here, all
1: three of these guys are on the power play. Uh, Duncan Keith top power play in Chicago. Philip Roonik second power play in Detroit. Rasmus <laughs> Anderson top power play in Calgary. Well, give me
0: none of them. Uh, okay. No- i'll, 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 who I'll are you picking up <laughs> i'll take rasmus then because he actually yeah scored. it's got
2: it's got to be rasmus although i'm a little surprised he's get, gotten this long of a run on the top power powerpoint uh, to be honest yeah i, I thought geo would have gotten another crack at, at this point
0: No, um,
2: yeah so yeah um but i mean yeah he's never really sh- you know he's a solid uh, two way defenseman. I thought he's performed really well as they brought him on the last couple of seasons. Um, But to me, yeah, he kind of just seems more of a, like I said, a solid five V five skater, maybe um, plays on your second pair or the complimentary uh, player on your first pair. I, yeah, I don't know if that's really the role for him. He doesn't seem like a great quarterback. I know he's got a good shot. Uh, I'm not sure if it's that great that you'd want him on the power play over Giordano at this point. Uh, even at this point in Giordano's career. But anyway, I, as it stands, I think Rasmus Anderson's the pick. Of yeah,
1: year. Anderson for me too. Uh, I, I really thought that this was going to be a breakout season for him. Uh, he's a guy that I've been pretty high on the last couple of years. I was expecting big things being moved to the top power play. And the early returns have been, you know, majorly disappointing. Yeah.
2: Well, in your defense, the, everything happened that needed to happen for him to have the breakout, and then I think we're just, just finding out that maybe he doesn't have an him.
1: Yeah, it, it might not be there, but uh, definitely still like a, a terrific real life hockey player. But the the fantasy value not quite uh, as high. I, I think that Duncan Keith is relatively interesting at this point uh, in his career, still playing over twenty four. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, top power play unit that still features Patrick Kane. I think he's you know decently. Reasonable, I, I think Phil Peronic is probably like should be the best on this list, but he's not even on the top power play in Detroit. And if you can't on the top power play in Detroit over Christian Juice, then you're pretty much fine. Yeah, what's so, going on there.
0: Uh, also, <laughs> so, it, I was it's still gonna be Rasmus Anderson at this point. Duncan Keith might be on juice. Do you remember a couple years ago? I had that thing where I was like, he might hit 200 shots, no goals. I'm thinking this year he could go 100 shots, no goals. Could happen <laughs> on it again, Love I mean, you, Jeff, but you cannot put the puck in the net, dude. All right, so before we go here, I just want to mention,
1: so speaking of just outrageous bets like that, I just got a message from one of my buddies in another league, it's like just a, it's a auction draft, like just straight points for the whole season with the 10 players you you end up with after the draft, but we just get mangled and, and do a bunch of ridiculous bets throughout the, and like, he messaged me. He's like, he's almost there, and I was like, what are you even talking about? Apparently, I bet that Ryan Getzlaff wouldn't have more than two goals this entire season, and he's, <laughs> and he's at one. He's at one right now, and I'm like, oh no! Like, I don't even remember making the bet at all. But he's like halfway there. I was like, for what? Like, what are you even talking about? I bet against Ryan Getzlaff. He's wow. like, yeah, you. you the over under was yeah. two and a half. So three He's goals on
2: pace for four, man. He's going to fly. I know, past that, I'm in
1: trouble. He's got to get to three and I'm, I'm yeah, just man. devastated there, but yeah, I had no idea. He's He's you're sure in mind mind another mind. He Come on. Yeah. But, uh, between Duncan Keith and, and, and uh, Ryan gets I'll be surprised how, if they get to five this year, hopefully. Yeah, so combined each <laughs> but, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the DFO podcast. Um, this is episode 11 of season six uh, presented to you by our friends at odd shark. Uh, I'm Brock Segan. We got Dylan D birth. Michael Beavis, Bonnie as well. We uh, always enjoy doing this. So, uh, you know, make sure you, uh, you continue to listen. So thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys back here next week.
0: Cool. Yeah. Go to it. <laughs> Every time you see me, you just turn around and hit.